Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Again, we are glad that you're here as we get back to our sermon series from the book of Ruth called God's Plan. I hope you've been enjoying this series on God's Plan. And I know you enjoyed last week's sermon from Shanna on Mother's Day. Can we give some love to Shanna for Mother's Day? Forget me not. An important message to remember from from the story of Hannah, that God remembers you when you cry out to him, when you pray to him. And uh, I hope, hope, ladies, you had a great time. I hope you were really blessed on Mother's Day being here. I hope that flower shop was a lot of fun for you. Uh, A big thanks to Shanna and Tara and Bethany and all those who helped put that together. And uh, today, again, today we continue in the story of Ruth and God's plan. It's important for us to know what is God's plan, what is not God's plan. What is an opportunity from God and what is an opportunity that I'm looking for? It's important to differentiate those. And the best way to do it is to start the plan with acknowledging God. Proverbs 3, 6, it says, In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You want God to direct your paths? You need to acknowledge him. Don't don't rush forward without taking time to pray to God. Saying, God, I recognize you. You are the Lord of my life. I want to honor you in all that I do. So this is an opportunity to ask God to acknowledge him before you move forward. Sometimes when I pray those prayers, I'm asking God, would you open this door if it's from you? And would you slam this door shut if it is not from you? When we were looking to plant this church in Marysville, we had to look at buildings and options And we found an option not too far from here that we thought, okay, this looks like it might work. We were in talks with the realtor and the owner. Things were progressing. And all during that time, we're praying, God, if this is from you, continue to open this door. If this is not from you, make it very clear to us. And so as we got closer and closer, we realized that parking lot of theirs was in no shape for all of our cars. And we addressed this issue with the owner, and the owner felt like we should be paying for this. And we're like, well, this is a rental situation. How much money do we want to put into this? And so then we thought, okay, maybe maybe there's an opportunity to, to buy this building. And, and maybe that's from God, and that's a really scary step. So we're praying all the way through that. And I'm waiting, and, and I hear back from, from our realtor saying, the owner is asking for double what he paid for the building. He has not changed anything in the building since he bought it. And I don't know about you, but to me, that was God closing the door saying, nope, I'll find you something better. And he certainly did. But we can't focus, we can't know what God is doing if we don't take a moment, instead of rushing forward, to wait on the Lord. And there are times to wait, and there are also times for action, right? We looked at Ruth chapter 2. You have to plan the work, and then you have to work the plan. Don't use waiting on the Lord as an excuse to remain where you are. There's a time to wait, and there's a time to move. And Ruth has taken action. We've seen she has worked hard to provide for her and Naomi. And now Naomi has come up with a plan of her own, a plan to have Ruth propose to Boaz. 
And this is, we see the, the blooming romantic relationship between Boaz and Ruth. And today we're going to talk about relationships, some about romantic, some familial, close relationships. As we talk about people and relationships in this series, God's Plan, today's message is called People Are Part of God's Plan. I want you to say that with me. People are part of God's plan. This seems like a given, but sometimes we forget this. And we say things like, oh, I hate people. I don't like people. I, I just want to get away from people. It might be good to start to learn how to like people because people are part of God's plan. I know that's easy to remember now, harder to remember at roundabouts, but people <laughs> are part of God's plan. From the very beginning, in Genesis, God said it is not good for Adam to be alone. God provided a helper for Adam and Eve. Of course, there's the romantic part of that. There's the procreation part of that. But it was more than just that. It was a relational aspect. God knows what we need. We need one another. It's important to remember that. So as we look at relationships today... People are part of God's plan. Let's read the first five verses of Ruth chapter three. It says that then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young woman you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. So we believe that there is some amount of time that has elapsed from the end of chapter 2 to the beginning of chapter 3. It could be a couple of weeks, it could be a couple of months, but Naomi has been thinking about Boaz. She's been thinking of the favor that they've been receiving, and Naomi is concerned for Ruth. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't want her to be stuck in the life of a widow for the rest of her days. That's why she asks should I not seek rest for you? Shouldn't I find someone to give you an established life in marriage? That, that phrase, place of rest, it means a place of security and peace that could be found in a loving husband. And Naomi is looking out for Ruth just as we know Ruth has been looking out for Naomi as they went back to Bethlehem. Remember, Ruth said, your people will become my people. Your God will become my God. And Naomi tells Ruth to go to the threshing floor. Now, this is not the most romantic place for a proposal. This is not Paris. This is not over a bridge or a scenic area. Let me, let me paint the picture of what the threshing floor looks like. It's a desolate place in the middle of nowhere. It's a place you would take your grain, you would take your stock, you would beat out the grain and allow the chaff to blow in the wind. 
There's no buildings around so that the wind could easily move and separate the chaff and the grain. And you'd probably do it late at night because the wind would pick up at that point and make it easier for you. There's not a lot of people around, but you would, you would then choose to sleep there with your grain because it's too dark to go back. And there are thieves and animals that will try to take that grain that you've just worked so hard to get to. Not the most romantic place, but it's a quiet place away from other people. And this is an opportunity for Ruth to quietly express her interest in Boaz away from the crowds. But it's still a risk. You think it was a risk when you proposed? You think you were nervous when you asked someone out for a date? Try proposing to someone you've never been on a date with. You've never courted. I would love to see how that goes. Naomi instructs Ruth in this incredible risk. She says, uncover his feet and lie down. Now, this sounds very unusual. I thought about, is this, is this the whole tradition of married couples where they come in and they bring their ice-cold feet to the person that's already been in the bed? That's not what that is here. That is a sin. I don't have the biblical reasoning for it yet, but we'll talk about that some other time. No, this was symbolism that you're willing to spread your wings over someone and cover them in the protection of marriage. And so it's the same thing that Boaz had used in chapter 2 when, she was, when he was praying over Ruth. And he declares that God will be a refuge for Ruth. And here is what happens when Boaz awakes to this. Verse 8, it says, At midnight the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So Boaz is startled in the middle of the night. I'm assuming he's like me and he sleeps on his stomach. And he's a light sleeper, so it didn't take much to wake him. He rolls over and he says, who are you? It is pitch black. Can you imagine what it's like to be sleeping and all of a sudden there's someone in your room? All the parents in the room are like, yes, I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> it's terrifying for a second. And Ruth says, it's Ruth, your servant. Will you spread your wings? Will you cover over me? And I love the last thing that she says there. For you are a redeemer. Ruth tells Boaz who he is. She's saying, you're more than just a relative. That's a given. We know that already. But a relative does not have to be the redeemer for Ruth. But Ruth knew what was inside of Boaz. She knew the potential of who he could become. And our first point on God's plan for people, number one, choose to inspire people. Inspire your friends and your family. When I'm talking today, just for a quick side note, I'm talking about close family, friends, romantic relationships, close people. Inspire your friends. Inspire your boyfriend or girlfriend. Inspire your spouse. Speak into their lives and encourage them. Tell them what you see in them. Because they might not see it until you speak it into their lives. Be willing to inspire others. Ruth chose to inspire Boaz to action. 
I don't believe that Boaz would have become the redeemer if Ruth did not express her interest in seeing him as her redeemer. He might have thought, oh, she's, you know, she's still grieving. She needs space. Maybe she wants a younger guy than me. I'm not going to intrude on that. Because Ruth verbalized, you are a redeemer, it brought the redeemer out of Boaz. I want to encourage you, don't just watch your friends and family develop. Be part of their development in their life. Speak into their life. Don't just assume they know what they're good at and what they're not good at. Speak into their life. Inspire and encourage. I will never forget as a, as a kid going into the kitchen complaining to my mom about what I wasn't good at. I was competing with my older brother who was musically incredibly talented. Any instrument he picked up, it was just automatic. And for me, I had to work hard for it. And I go and complaining to my mom, say, I, I can't do this like him. I want to be like him. And my mom said, you know what you're really good at is singing. Focus more on singing. Imagine if I had never received that encouragement. What could have happened? What if I kept competing at the thing I wasn't naturally talented at instead of focusing on what God had given me? Are you willing to be part of the inspiration and the encouragement of others? Because the world needs the encouragement of the church. The world does not need more negativity and criticism. Are you hearing me? They've got that covered. They've got that on lockdown. They don't need de more demoralization. They need more inspiration from godly people in their life. Amen. Inspire the people around. Tell people, man, you're really good with kids. I bet there's some parents right now that would love to hear some encouragement. You're doing a great job with your kids. Man, they're awesome. They're always joyful, except for those times when they cry and have a tantrum. But other than that, you're doing a great job. <laughs> you're doing an awesome job. There's some people that want to hear, hey, you're great with People in general, you're great with numbers. You're great with cooking. Encourage and inspire the people around you. Because we serve the God who inspires and encourages us. You know that? We serve the God who spoke to Gideon and told him he was a mighty man of valor before he had even fought in one battle. We serve the God of Joshua who told Joshua over and over, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? We serve the God who told us he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. We serve the God of encouragement and inspiration. So that's what we should be in the world. Yes, Inspire and encourage the people around you. Ruth told Boaz that he was a redeemer. What do you need to tell people around you of who they are? That's why if you, if you Google inspirational quotes... Just, just look that up. You will find hundreds, if not thousands, of inspirational quotes all over the internet. I'm not saying they're all good, but there's some that are there. It tells you how much our world desires to be inspired and encouraged. Look at what Boaz says in response to Ruth's proposal and her inspiration of Boaz. Verse 10. He says, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. 
So Boaz blesses her. He says, this is the kindest thing you could do to ask this of me, not going after a younger guy, but choosing a man based on his kindness and his goodness and his love instead of the outward appearance and the riches. And look at what Boaz says about Ruth. He tells her, don't fear, because the people know that you are a worthy woman. A worthy woman. I looked up that word in the Hebrew. That word for worthy is hayil. It can also mean things like strong and valiant, and it's used over 240 times in the Old Testament. One of them is for Ruth. I want to show you another example of where that's used in Proverbs. Chapter, 20, uh, chapter 12, verse 4, it says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Ruth is a woman of excellence. She is a worthy woman. That's what the Bible says about her. What does the Bible say about Boaz? Go back to chapter 2 of Ruth. What does it say about Boaz? The very first thing in Ruth 2. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. The Bible makes it clear that these were both a worthy man and a worthy woman, a man of excellence, a woman of excellence. I believe that excellence attracts excellence. People, that worthiness attracts worthiness. And so our second point today is to choose to imitate godly people. Make the choice to imitate godly people. Paul says it very bluntly in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We have many examples in the New Testament, in the Bible, people saying, imitate me, follow me as I'm following Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want to follow a man like Paul. I want to follow somebody that even if I'm in jail, I'm writing to churches, I'm inspiring them, I'm encouraging them. I'm saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want to be a person that imitates the godly people around me. Boaz and Ruth were people of excellence because of who they imitated. Now, we know who Ruth imitated. She followed after Naomi. She said, your people will be my people. Your God will be my people. She followed, your God will be my God. She followed after a godly woman. We don't know in the book of Ruth the background of Boaz. We have to go outside to find the background of Boaz. You can find that in Matthew chapter 1. You might not be familiar with this chapter because you, like me, occasionally will skip all the names in the genealogy, right? Can you, can you be honest and say sometimes it's like, okay, name, 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 get to the good point. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. It says, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. You know the story of Rahab? She was a woman living in Jericho when spies from the Israelites came to look how they could take over the promised land. And Rahab allowed the spies to escape and go back. And because of that, she was protected when Israelites came to attack the city. Talk about a godly woman willing to do things when no one else is willing to do them. 
That is the imitation. That is a person that Boaz had to imitate growing up, a godly person. We imitate the people that we are around. This can go good, and this also can go bad. There's a phrase, there's a quote that says, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. The people that you surround yourself with and imitate, that is who you are on the tra trajectory to become. We become like those that we're around. I'll be watching a sports game. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be watching the Guardians play. And all of a sudden, my team starts to lose. And I do, ah. And I say, oh my goodness, I am my dad. That's exactly what my dad would have done in this situation. Imitation. Have you seen the commercials of Progressive, how to not become like your parents? You don't need to talk to everyone that walks into the elevator, right? There's, there's things that we do, the imitation. That can go good and that can go bad. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Can I say to all my, let me back up. If you want to be a person who's worthy, you need to imitate those. And if you want to have worthy and excellent friends, guess who you need to be? A worthy and excellent friend. You want to have a worthy and excellent boyfriend or girlfriend, you need to be a worthy boyfriend and excellent person. Do you see where I'm getting at here? To all my single friends who are single and ready to mingle, you should have expectations of the type of person that you want to date. You should have an attribute list now. Why? Because you need to know now so that when somebody walks into your life, you already have an idea of the person you want in your mind. And you're not, you're not you know, uh, manipulated by a moment. You're not caught up in a moment. You say, no, 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 they need to be a godly person. They need to have this. They need to be a joyful person. Not to, they, they need to have these things already. And it's funny because sometimes we expect other things of other people that we're not willing to do ourselves. Don't tell me you want to date someone who's got a six-figure salary Savings account, you're paying off credit cards from four months ago. Don't tell me I, I want somebody who's in the best shape of their life. You can't do 10 push-ups. How does that make sense? Can I say these things? <laughs> if you want to have a worthy person, and you should, you are worth it, but you need to be that person. You need to be prepared right now to be the best you can be. So when that person walks in the room, there's not more for you to do. You're ready for them. You've been waiting for them. You can't expect a godly man or woman who is fully committed to God, and you can't crack your Bible open more than once every three or four months. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's really quiet. You are a worthy person, and that's why I want you to be ready when the person comes along. Be a person of excellence. Imitate the godly qualities you want to see. Oftentimes, we, we want to wait. Oh, I'll fix that later. I'll get that figured out. I, you see issues with the person that you're dating? I say, well, we'll fix that in marriage. <laughs> Can I tell you real fast? Um, marriage does not extinguish problems. It enhances them. <laughs> you're in the middle of the process in dating and everything looks great. If there are issues you see in dating... Those are only going to get worse unless you address them. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to turn this into a marriage thing, but when two people 
There, there is greatness there when two people choose that they're going to imitate godly people, follow after godly examples that they've seen in their life, and those people are pursuing God and they find each other, they're connected. Let me show you what Ephesians says about a strong marriage. Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her you having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. It's the perfect love of Christ in marriage when two people know how to love themselves correctly. One last tangent, and then I promise I'm going to move forward, but a lot of times when you date from person to person to person and you, you don't want to be in a moment where you're single, it's because you're uncomfortable with yourself. And this here says in Ephesians, you have to, what does it say? He who loves his wife loves himself. If you can't love yourself, if you aren't at peace with yourself, how can you be prepared to love someone else correctly? I know I've turned this into a marriage thing, but this is more than that. Imitating godly people, encouraging one another. Let me show you from Proverbs 27. You might be familiar with this verse, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. We are meant to sharpen and strengthen and encourage and inspire one another. But we can't do that if we aren't first becoming a person of excellence and worthiness ourselves. And we can't do that if we aren't imitating the godly people around us. And after Boaz says that Ruth is a worthy woman, look at what he says next. This is the end of, of chapter 3, verse 12. It says, and now it is true that I'm a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Can you imagine waiting that long to hear how something went the night before? Something that you recommended and you couldn't get a text, nothing coming through. You're just waiting. You're agonizing. Here, it says she told her all that had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest but we'll settle the matter today. Boaz is, he's aware of the situation as the Redeemer, and he knows 
He's not first in line to take care of Ruth. But if the closer relative is willing to redeem her, he says, it's good. Let him do that. I was thinking about that, the, the patience that Boaz has here. I think he likes Ruth. Otherwise, why would he say yes to this arrangement? But he still says, if he's going to take care of you, then I know it's going to be good. Can we have the same amount of patience and trust in God in our relationships? We start dating someone. We start spending more time with them. If God takes them away from me, I don't know what I'm going to do. If I lose that person, it's all over. God's like, right here. I didn't leave. I'm sufficient for you. You're going to be okay. If they left, it's for a reason, and I want someone better for you. I've got a better plan for you. Have faith. Amen? Have faith when God moves people in your life. Trust him for the best. But that doesn't mean that Boaz does nothing, right? He's got a plan. Plans the work, works the plan. But before he sets out for this plan, look how thoughtful and present he is with Ruth. He reassures her everything's going to be okay. He has her leave discreetly before anyone could recognize them. There's, there's no scandal here. Nothing happened. Inappropriate. And more than that, he supplies her with enough food, not just for her, but for Naomi. The last point, Brent, would you come up as we close? Last point, number three, choose to invest in people. Boaz would have to seek out the closer relative of Ruth and Naomi. He would have to seek out a business transaction of sorts here. We're going to see that in chapter 4. But he gave away his support selflessly. Think about it. He gave away the food that he had been working all night to prepare, probably for himself. He said, here, this is for you. I'm going to invest this in you because this relationship means the world to me. You are important to me. A lot of things will change in your life. Possessions will fade, but people have a soul that will last in eternity because that's how God designed us, the spirit. So invest in people more than anything else. Don't let people be forgotten in your life. Don't ignore the people that are closest to you. Now, I'm not saying that you can invest in just everybody in your life. That's too many people. What did Jesus do on the, on the, when he was on this world in his life? He invested in 12 people, 12 disciples. And beyond that, he, he was even more intentional with a group of four and a group of three. Invest in the people that are close to you. You can't invest in everyone, but I wonder if there's some people, there's a person coming to your mind right now. Maybe you used to invest in them a while ago and for some reason the relationship has fallen apart. Maybe there's a family member that you need to reach back out to. Invest in the people in your life because they are the most important things you can invest in. Your possessions are gonna be gone. At some day, the money's gonna be gone. It's going to fade away. People. God has created each and every one of us. We matter to God. You matter to God. Invest in people. And one last piece of advice for our single people when it comes to investing in a relationship. This is a quote I've heard, and maybe this will help you. Invest in a relationship 
not based on that person's potential, but based on their patterns. Hear me on this. You can see someone and see they've got potential, but they're not a fixer-upper. You're not Joanna Gaines. It is not your responsibility to fix somebody. Date someone based on their patterns. How are they acting right now? How do they treat their mom right now? Are they working hard at the job they're at right now? What's their relationship with God right now? Don't tell me I can change him. I can fix him. You pick your stock based on its potential, but you pick relationships this important to you based on their patterns and who they are right now. Are you hearing me? Invest wisely because it's harder to see clearly after you've invested. Boaz invested in Ruth because he saw her kindness towards her mother-in-law. Boaz saw Ruth as a hard worker. And Ruth was willing to ask him to be a redeemer and a protector for her. And she spoke things into his life. She inspired him. Boaz saw that she was a worthy woman. I want you to know as we close that God sees each and every one of you as a worthwhile investment. Do you know that? The reason that God sent his son Jesus is because he knew you before you knew you. And even though you've messed up and we've all made mistakes, even right now, God says you are a worthwhile investment. You are worth the sacrifice. You are worth the pain because of my love for you. Would you stand with me today as we close? Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.